Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. We are on the verge, on the cusp, on the crest of the wave of the presidential primaries, caucuses, and so forth here in the United States of America. And these things, they begin, they commence in the coldest part of winter. There is perhaps a message there somewhere for who shall seek to find it. But one thing that we get to enjoy in this nation (laughs) is corrupt leaders. However, we do not have a corner on the market on corrupt leadership. It is present around the world. It has been present throughout human history. But the Democrat Party is making a very strong argument for the United States of America being recognized worldwide as the most corrupt and debased nation on the face of the earth. They will be able to clinch that, (laughs) to consolidate that, to confirm that recognition of corruption if they are able to get their sodomite candidate elected president. When I say sodomite, it's not just that Pete Buttigieg is a sodomite. It's that he is openly so, proudly so, with his so-called husband and so forth. It is just breathtakingly horrible. But he is one of the real favorites among rank-and-file Democrats, which says something about the Democrat Party, not merely their political aspirants, their political representation, but the core constituency of the Democrat Party. This kind of corruption makes the corruption of those like Donald Trump and his look-alike, act-alike compatriot across the pond, Boris Johnson, pale by comparison. (laughs) Mere traditional corruption there. But the contradictions of these times are extraordinary. And I'm going to get into those in just a few minutes. But first, Let's take a stroll down memory lane, down down decades and decades and decades, back when Camelot purportedly existed here in the United States of America at the White House. Camelot, yes, with John Fitzgerald Kennedy and rampant 
flagrant sexual immorality committed by him. And (laughs) then when he left office by way of assassination and his replacement, Lyndon Baines Johnson, took his place, being sworn in the same day, I mean within an hour or two of the assassination of John Kennedy, on Air Force One, beside Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy, still in a state of shock and with her lovely pink suit, call it that, that was back when suits had skirts, (laughs) and it was feminine and soft, and it was splattered with the blood of her deceased husband. But Lyndon Baines Johnson took over, interestingly enough, being sworn in in his home state, the great state of Texas, and he instituted other practices, you know, nude swims at the White House pool and so on and so forth. But back then, there was an odious regime of which there are still so many odious regimes, but a terrible, monstrous, murderous regime known as the Soviet Union. The Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, so-called. And the various leaders of the USSR, such as Khrushchev, they damned the United States of America as being decadent. Decadent, decadent, decadent. That was back in the days of Leave it to Beaver and My Three Sons and the Donna Reed Show and so on and so forth, and my little Margie. (laughs) And yet that was decadent, decadent, decadent United States of America. Fast forward to now. (laughs) Now the United States of America is decadent, decadent, decadent. It is decayed. It is corroded. It is corrupted and perverse. And it is made so by the federal government, by the weight of the power of the so-called rule of law. This is the problem with the rule of law. For those lovers of the rule of law who worship the rule of law, when the rule of law is in the hands of the corrupt, the wicked, the evil, the destroyers, It is a tool to destroy those who are good. Political power is force. Politics is war by other means. And the rule of law is no better than those who wield it. The idea that it is some benevolent, beneficent, neutral something or other, intangible, is a complete, utter falsehood and lie. Here we are in the United States of America, those of us who are, or perhaps you are in Europe, 
on the continent or in the UK or in Scandinavia or in Latin America or in Asia or elsewhere. Whether you're in North America, South America, Russia, Ukraine, wherever you are, all of us are going to be impacted by and exceedingly, grievously affected by what is coming. It has been coming for a long time, but now it is very, very, very near at hand. And I alluded to that, I referenced that in the previous program. But one of the great quandaries, one of the great contradictions of this present age, of this present time is this, that we have these looming technologies that are just on the verge of extraordinary breakthroughs. They've already made extraordinary breakthroughs, but they are on the verge of much more extraordinary breakthroughs in the way of AI, artificial intelligence. In other words, state-of-the-art, latest and greatest, newest and most improved supercomputing. Robotics. Blockchain technology cryptocurrencies or digital currencies, cashless society. What we are on the verge of is the accomplishment of the development of technology that will enable the fulfillment of God's prophecies concerning the coming of the one-world monstrous regime that will make all evil regimes prior to it fade into oblivion, pale in comparison. Those that have merely slaughtered tens of millions of people, most notably Communist China, followed by the Soviet Union, followed by the Nazi Third Reich. That's right, Nazi Third Reich in third place there. That is not a typo. That is not an error. That is not a slip of the tongue. Nazi Germany in third place. The Third Reich in third place behind Uncle Joe and the Soviet Union and Mao Zedong, and the communist Chinese regime. But a great, great contradiction and quandary is that in this time of these extraordinary technologies, the most sophisticated imaginable technologies, and a great many people that pride themselves on their terribly great intellect their terribly sophisticated, worldly educations and knowledge and all of that, that at the very same time there is this incredible proliferation of social media, of 
masses, multitudes of people, not the ignorant masses, but masses of educated people being moved around, pulled around by the nose by social media influencers, (laughs) by all of these Tom, Dick, and Harrys who usually, it seems like, are females, acting as these Pied Piper influencers and swaying masses and multitudes, multitudes of young people, Foolish young people, multitudes of foolish young adults, multitudes of foolish prime year adults, multitudes of foolish older adults, more mature adults, multitudes of elders. (laughs) It's extraordinary. Just this incredible, unimaginable Contradiction of these things taking place at the same time. At the same time that there is this extraordinary, brilliant technology, technological revolution that has just gone to the nth degree. You know, it's been technology squared, 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 squared. It's just extraordinary. But this, at the same time, We have this extraordinary foolishness and idiocy that is so prevalent, so pervasive. I mentioned on a previous program some time ago, months and months and months ago, that (laughs) there was something that I came across pertaining to the nations that were the most wired or that, (laughs) that had the greatest amount of time online per day, per capita. And all of the nations where the citizenry spent the greatest amount of time online, not on the job, but online, off the job, they were all in Asia. I was just astounded, but the one that was numero uno, I can't remember what the nation was, but it was 10 hours. It, I don't think it was South Korea, but anyway, down at the bottom of the list of all of the nations, I think Japan was like the last place nation, which was ironic at being there in Asia and having been a leader in so many regards with re- in terms of technology and everything else, and yet it was down way last place, I believe, at a lowly four hours per day that people were spending online or wasting online or whatever. Time online can be spent productively, but it can be just wasted horribly, too. But... I remember the first place was approximately, it was 10 hours. I think just a minute or two more than 10 hours per day, daily, <laughs> of online use per capita. And again, all five top nations were in Asia. And in the top 10, I believe that Brazil was in the top 10 and so forth. But 
the number of people that are just, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, I know this will cause issues with many, but enslaved <laughs> by their their affinity, their enamorment, whatever, with media, with social media. And again, social media was the numero uno overwhelming use by those that were online. That was the number one thing, overwhelmingly, was social media. So it does, in my view, (laughs) constitute an extraordinary contradiction of things here. But contradictions, extreme contradictions, are historical, aren't they, after all? So here we have these influencers. This is the latest, greatest term. It is a term of respect and honor for something that's very unrespectable. If you get right down to it, it's a matter of you are influencing people hmm? <laughs> for gain, <laughs> typically. Oh, 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 not directly, not intentionally, of course, but influencing them for gain. And influencing them detrimentally. But influencers. Influencer is another word for or name for what? You could say leader, but you could say seducer, corrupter, perverter, (laughs) right? You could say Pied Piper. Or as I said in the previous program, Queenmaker, pertaining to Oprah Winfrey, who has acted in that capacity. <laughs> oh, she is so loved by all the multitudes, and she is, after all, only going on her, I don't know, by now it must be third or fourth billion. But <laughs> she, has, she is the pre-influencer influencer. She was the numero uno influencer before there was that category (laughs) known as influencers. And she has continued to rule and reign, (laughs) preeminent, supreme. But going back in time, there were other influencers, but not social media personalities and celebrities and all of these mini celebrities up to major celebrities who have decided to get into the influencer racket. But, no, they were typically political aspirants, political candidates, political leaders. You might not think of Adolf Hitler as being a political leader, but that's what he was. You may not think of Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong in those terms, but they were. But they wielded the power of the state to cause enormous destruction. The so-called self-help movement, 
that has been big, that has flourished in the United States of America and around the world for decades now, has gone through various different permutations. And one of the recent developments is this Enneagram. Well, it is (laughs) this whole Enneagram wave has roped in masses of young people that identify as being Christians. And there are a number of problems with this, (laughs) such as the fact that it is absolutely permeated, pervaded by astrology, anti-God, anti-Christ, age-old lies of astrology. But it's amazing how many people in this sophisticated, sophisticated time, like incredibly simplistic, ridiculously simplistic things such as astrology. The way was paved for this Enneagram wave by, in the Christian community, by so-called Christian psychology. (laughs) That's right. The adoption of psychology and psychiatry and psychotropic drugs and so-called Christian counseling, all of that into the Christian community. (laughs) That paved the way, the popularization of that. But the latest development in, again, within the Christian community, so-called, is this Enneagram wave, this Enneagram pox, this Enneagram plague. But it's age-old. This is not new. This is age-old astrology, age-old occult. You know, this thing that for decades was referred to as New Age and still is referred to as New Age is not new. It's old. It's old lies. It's old rebellion against God. It's old fascination with and preference for all manner of incredibly carnal things, such as the Volkish movement that I referred to in the previous program, the Volkish movement of Germany, of pre-Nazi Germany on into the Nazi Reich, the Volkish movement, and their so-called fringe activities included sun worship, nudism, communal living, free love, (laughs) And there were Volkish cults in every major city. It was devoted to so-called spiritualism, which is diametrically contrary to Christianity. But spiritualism, the occult, magic, and astrology, was devoted to those things. And then the New Age came along. You know, after World War II, 
in the time frame of the Vietnam War, the New Age movement, and it was just more of the same. And the Volkish movement, it just followed up with previous such things. It didn't begin any of this. It just repackaged it, was all. And I made mention that Adolf Hitler and his sidekick, Heinrich Himmler, that they embraced this. They embraced it. It isn't that they believed it. It isn't that they engaged in it personally, per se, but it is that they exploited it. They exploited this popularly embraced heresy because it was such an extremely handy, useful means to seduce the German and Austrian masses of people. And it enabled Hitler and Himmler et al. to further the accomplishment of their evil agenda and to accomplish the fulfillment of world domination. The more things change, the more they stay the same, it is said. And there is some truth to that. Before I continue, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and good and true in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is due to me, that is on me. I made reference again in the previous program to the artificial intelligence research and development that is, in essence, headed up or dominated on the European continent by none other than Berlin, Germany. Berlin, Brandenburg, Germany. But artificial intelligence, that whole realm of this extraordinary supercomputing, it, even though it is very aggressively being pursued and being furthered, further developed there in Berlin, they don't have a corner on the market. It is being heavily, heavily, researched and developed in communist China, in Russia, in the United States of America, and elsewhere. I am certain that Israel is not, is not out of the mix. They can't afford to be. Tiny, comparatively helpless Israel. I say comparatively when you consider the enormous numbers against them that are bent on their destruction, but and the fact that they've had to go it alone. But this artificial intelligence movement, oh, it's just beneficent, it's benevolent, 
Oh, yes, it's going to, according to the commercials on TV, it's going to enable us to feed the multitudes. It's going to enable us to heal all diseases, cure all diseases, illnesses, infirmities, restore the maimed and the blind. If you haven't seen the commercials, you need to. (laughs) But it's going to do all of these things. It's going to enable us to live, you know, well past 100 vigorously. And, of course, to then have communities on other planets and so forth. It's going to enable us to conquer global climate change, right? It's going to enable we brilliant people to really control the world, control life, right? That's what it's going to do, but it's all peaceful. It is all beneficent and benevolent and wonderful. And nothing to be concerned about whatsoever. No downside, just all good. All good, nothing wrong with it. And we can look forward to it and not have any fear, not have any concern, because it will all be to the good. What could go wrong? Well, this is extraordinary foolishness and arrogance, frankly. But but nonetheless, that's the sales pitch. It's all good. Let's again take it, you know, just a little trip down memory lane. Go back to flight, aircraft, so forth. With... (laughs) With the development of the very first aircraft, they began to be used in warfare. They were used in World War I. Now, it was a very limited use, admittedly. It was used in dogfights between planes, pilots trying to shoot one another and so forth, and pilots throwing grenades at low, 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 low altitude down on the battlefields to attack the enemy and so on and so forth and to try to help their side. But it was used right at the beginning, at the inception for war. Thereafter, it came to be very heavily focused and developed on wartime use. This same (laughs) development has been true with regard to none other than, of course, rockets. And in fact, they were being developed during World War II to be used much more devastatingly than the early ones were used to. But that was prevented by the Allies winning the war. Fast forward to today. No, 
the overwhelming majority, overwhelming majority of what you hear about concerning nuclear arms is in the context of them being delivered by rocket systems, intercontinental ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, and what have you. Yes, then there are the the miniaturized ones for suitcase dirty bombs and what have you, but the overwhelming majority are delivered by rockets. Computers, early on, very, very, very early on, computers were used for this and that, for all manner of things, and it just kept becoming a larger and larger and larger number of applications. But they were focused on business and also focused on space. (laughs) Can I call it space travel, space exploration, whatever? And controlling those rockets, what have you. And then for the military and war applications. The artificial intelligence developments now, they are very heavily focused on wartime applications. Yes, there are. There are all manner of other projects going on. Agricultural ones, medical ones, and what have you. And for vehicular travel without drivers, right? (laughs) Driving cars and trucks minus people actually steering them and so forth. But, and aircraft. Oh, yes, it's exciting, very exciting. But the overwhelming focus, nonetheless, is war-related. You could say defense-related, not war-related, defense-related. Okay. But just to strike a cautionary note concerning the beneficence and benevolence of these artificial intelligence developments, the supercomputing, is that while many intend for them to be used for good, it doesn't mean they will be used for good. Firearms, oh my, oh, firearms, they're evil, and so on and so forth. And yet... They are used for defense. They are used to prevent destruction as well. (laughs) But some would have us believe otherwise. But in terms of what is currently going on with artificial intelligence, some of the things that are unimaginable, you know, just such a short time ago, the robotics, the advanced robotics, and the digital currencies, the blockchain technologies and so forth, they lead 
somewhere that is different from but a parallel track with wartime use. And I'll get there in a moment. But before I do, and drones and so forth, but before I do, I don't believe I really touched on this and I meant to the other day concerning Berlin of today. Berlin of today is one of the most favored cities in the world by expatriates, people who have left their country for someplace else. It's one of the most favored. It's one of the most favored cities, if not the most favored city, for dissidents who have fled their country or who have been exiled from their country or whatever. It is at least one of the most favored, and I believe it is the number one most favored city in the world by dissidents. There is a flourishing art scene in Berlin and music and so forth, and there is tremendous history of that going back Many, 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 many decades, centuries. But Berlin prior to the rise of the Nazi Third Reich, prior to that, it was such a place. It was a place teeming with artistic endeavor. It was a place of great favor with travelers. It was a place that offered all manner of interesting attractions. It was a place that attracted writers known writers, famous writers, famous artists, and so forth, to congregate. It was also a place that if you've seen that movie from way back when that I disliked thoroughly, (laughs) but that uh, Liza Minnelli did very well by, (laughs) well in, I can't even remember what it was called now, but Liza Minnelli and Joel Grey, but in Berlin, Pre-World War II Berlin, there was a great deal of all that sort of thing, all the partying, party-hardy, hardy-partying, and also corruption and perversity and license, sexual license and so forth. But the Berlin of today, I see great similarity with the Berlin of pre-World War II, the Berlin prior to the rise of the Nazi Reich. And prior to the rise of the Nazi Reich, another similarity, of course, Germany of today, I mentioned in the previous program, they have no nuclear arms. They are prohibited from that. They prefer to have the United States of America provide their defense than for them to provide it themselves and so forth and just to you know cast aspersions of the United States of America I'm talking about the political leaders more than the people more than the citizenry 
But if you go back to Germany before the rise of the Nazi Reich, it too was prevented from having a powerful military. Uh, It was prevented from many things. (laughs) And of course, it was crushed under reparation debt heaped upon it by the oh-so-terribly-wise Western powers, blaming Germany solely for World War I, which was, frankly, an obscene outrage. But, nonetheless, that was the situation. And Berlin of today, Similarity, really, in just in many ways. And so Berlin of today, oh, no, it couldn't, you know, Germany, it's not about to become a world power that way, a military power. And I'm not saying that it is about to. But I'm just saying that these things can change quickly, dynamically. But, meanwhile, again, here in the United States of America, we have a little problem <laughs> with, with corruption. What is the problem at the root with corruption? Hmm? With this, with any, just garden variety corruption, let alone the rampant, extreme perversity and degradation of today. What's the problem with it? Well, the great world planners out there that have been (laughs) planning for and uh, working towards the destruction of this nation and the enslavement of the world now for, lo, these many years, to them, corruption is a very good thing because it's very useful because it enables them to weaken nations, to weaken their conscience, to weaken their culture, to weaken their society, to weaken their resolve, to turn them into better red than dead countries. So for them, it is a, an absolute good, a positive. <laughs> but for those nations, for the citizenry in those nations... It is an absolute horror. Now, for the wicked in this nation, it's a good thing. But for the good in this nation that are crushed under it and by the evil leadership, yes, I did say evil, evil leadership in this nation, uh, it is something other than good. And it bodes ill. It bodes exceedingly ill. But no fear, no. The world is just going to get brighter and brighter and better and better, unless, unless global climate change, (laughs) unless global warming, global climate change kills us all, then everything will just get, you know, better and better. Well, One thing that I have just found to be so fascinating about this, again, this is something. This is a new world order 
triggering cause celeb is global climate change, is global warming, that bugaboo. But do whatever you might. Let's just say, hypothetically, that every nation on the face of the earth agreed sincerely to the most draconian possible, imaginable controls to prevent pollution, to reduce pollution, to save the world, to save the dirt, to save everything. Let's say that that they did. Well, then there would be no problem, right? I mean, really, there would be no problem. Everything would be fine. Everything would be solved. If we could just get along, if we could just work together, everything would be hunky-dory. True? However, there are the matter of the natural forces. When you're talking about climate change, at the root, at the core, it's natural. It's not man-made, contrary to these scientists and contrary to the teenage protesters and contrary to the Hollywood celebrity protesters, contrary to the major media elites, it is not man-made at the root. The overwhelming majority is natural phenomena, and it is, it in and of itself is a natural phenomena. Climate change, cyclical climate change. But there is complete utter denial of that. So let's say that all pollution was ended, right? All of it. There was no more pollution whatsoever. Surely that would solve everything, wouldn't it? Well, what about if there was, oh, I don't know, a super volcano or two or three that erupted? Oh, that could never happen. Never happened. Well, <laughs> there are super volcanoes here and there. There is Toba or Mount Toba, if you prefer. And it is on the Sumatra fault line. There is Yellowstone. Have you heard of Yellowstone? The Yellowstone supervolcano. And there is a little one hardly worth mentioning. Campi Flegrai, Italy. If these three super volcanoes erupted, exploded, they could precipitate monsoons and climate shifts, climate change, global warming on a scale unknown heretofore. But by all means... We can control these things. And artificial intelligence will enable us to control these things. Surely. Won't it? Well, perchance not. 
But back to the matter of wonderful artificial intelligence being used for something less than good things. I know this is terribly taboo, but permit me just to read a very, very small passage, very brief passage from the Bible, from the book of Revelation. And it says, and this is in what is referenced as being the 13th chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. I'm just going to read what is listed as being the 15th verse through the 18th verse. Tiny passage. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Well, he who had power to give life unto the image, he was (laughs) one of (laughs) these evil uh, beasts. But a false prophet, an influencer of all things. Yes, yes. But imagine that. Really. I mean, this... So many people have taken this for being, oh, poetic license. This is just, you know, anything but literal. (laughs) No, 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 no. There, There shouldn't be a scrap or a shred of literal understanding of this. No. But this image of the beast can now be created with artificial intelligence. And this image of the beast should live and should speak and cause that as many as would not worship it should be murdered. And that all people, small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, will be compelled to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. I cringe at even at wearing a stocking cap with some sort of logo on it. It just, I dislike it. But here, all people, they will have to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, or both. Well, you know, tattoos have become so popular now, and people, some people are even being so unimaginable as to be tattooed on their faces and so forth. But no man will be able to sell or buy, save he that has the mark of the name of the beast. No matter how rich, no matter how great, how mighty, They will not be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark, unless they've taken the mark in their forehead or their right hand. 
And the mark is the number of a man, 603 score and six. So whether you are the likes of Donald Trump or Boris Johnson or the likes of Barack Hussein Obama, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Zuckerberg, it doesn't matter. Everybody is going to be compelled. Isn't that exciting? You will be forced to worship this and to take this mark and to be subservient to it. This is the ultimate world domination, the ultimate world regime. And it's only made possible by artificial intelligence, by supercomputing, short of miracles. That's the only way. And we are on the cusp of that. We are on the crest of the wave of that. This is very, very, very near, very close at hand. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.